0: You're listening to the Brown Sign Project Podcast. Every journey a visitor takes through your attraction should immerse them in your values and heritage and leave them wanting more. Stephen Spencer and Associates are a team of highly experienced tourism and retail aficionados who will help you develop a sixth sense in order to maximise every opportunity. We're here to help you build and engage your team to own and enhance your visitor experience. Above all, we're here to help you increase your profitability in these challenging times because people become engaged team members and loyal customers when they love your attraction as
1: much as you do. Welcome to The Brown Sign Project, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the tourism and attractions industry, where we're talking to inspiring professionals about their careers. I'm Carly Strawn.
2: And I'm Carlton Gadgeter. In this episode of The Brown Sign Project, we have an inspiring conversation with Hannah Monteverde, the Park Manager at Bewilderwood in Cheshire, UK. Hannah tells us how she had to follow her instincts to get to where she is today and gives us some great tips on improving the authenticity of leadership along the way.
1: Hannah's infectious enthusiasm for her work really shines through and as you're going to find out it's always person focused no matter who that person is but just before we get to that chat with Hannah we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsors Steph Savvy and Stephen Spencer and Associates
2: hello everybody welcome to another amazing episode of the brown sign project brown sign project i can't talk today the brown sign project um my Get, getting
1: the name of the podcast right <laughs> oh <vitally> important.
2: <laughs> definitely let's start again brown sign project um my name is carlton i'm going to be one of your hosts and we've got the lovely carly as always hi carly
1: Hello, I can pronounce the brown sign project, but luckily, so uh, we're all good.
2: (laughs) Thank you, you're here to save the day. Um, Uh, Yeah, just... um, As as always, um, this um, season is all about careers and and informing you of all different kinds of areas um, of the tourist attraction industry that you could potentially get into. And we've got this amazing speaker today um, who's going to share her experiences um, with us. So let me introduce you to Hannah. Hello, Hannah.
0: Hi, Calton. Hi, Carly. Hello. Hello.
2: How are you doing today?
0: Yeah, great. Thank you.
2: Yeah, good, good, good. We're very excited good. to have a chat with you and find us some nitty gritty about what you do. And I'm really excited about to find out a little bit more about your attraction, what you do. Give us um, a low Dan.
0: So I am in my fancy pants world. I am the top banana at Bewilderwood Cheshire. Um, So in the normal world, that means I'm the park manager at Bewilderwood Cheshire. Um, I am in charge of the um, running and success of Bewilderwood up in Cheshire. Um, So Bewilderwood, if you've not heard of it, um, it's a children's or a family adventure park. Um, uh, Up in Cheshire, we've got a huge 70 acre woodland um, where we've got um, enormous outdoor adventure play, um loads of slides zip wires kind of whole ethos is get back to basics come visit us run wild have an amazing day out um and it's all based on this series of books which our owner Tom Blofeld has has written about these creatures that live within the woodland um so it it's about kind of hopefully inspiring children and families to kind of um use their imaginations make up their own adventures tell their own stories and and yeah come and as i said come and have like a back to basics um day out where you're not want to be sat on your phone all day it's about involving the adults as well getting everyone to join in and back to basics fun
1: yeah and i would say if as an adult who has been to it is great fun <laughs> even even if it's not necessarily just for the children in your life you can all play on the slides and the zip wires too so yeah absolutely
2: I'm ready I'm ready to go
1: (laughs) (laughs) find some kids take them along it's great
2: brilliant no problem I've heard so much about your attraction and I'm like not had the opportunity to go but hopefully one day I'll be able to go and experience it because it looks absolutely amazing so talking about absolutely amazing let's kind of jump over to Carly Carly's got her first question to ask you
1: Yeah, so our icebreaker for this season is the same for everybody because we're just very nosy people. That's why we have a podcast. Um, And so our first question is, uh, what job did you want to do as a child? So what did you think you'd be doing instead of being the top banana at the Wildwood? You know, it's really hard you say
0: because I haven't heard any of the other episodes. So I do not know what I'm up against seeing as you haven't released any of them. But um, as a child, I think I well, I've always been a bit faddy. And I think I probably went through phases. I don't have a distinct recollection of wanting to do this one job. I've got a number that I probably wanted to do for a week or so. Like I've got a very vivid memory of probably being in like reception or year one and deciding that I wanted to be a post lady because I liked meeting people, which, you know, four or five year old me, It's quite quite sweet. Sometimes I think that'd probably be quite nice in comparison to some of the stuff I do nowadays. Um, I think I went from there to wanting to then become a brain surgeon which is slightly different wasn't clever enough Um, and then obviously I've had a stint of wanting to be an astronaut which now in hindsight I don't think I sounds awful Um, and then I did want to be a Blue Peter presenter for a little while those those are the I think those are the ones that stand out but I didn't ever have I didn't ever have a one goal and it certainly wasn't running a family adventure park
1: i think what you actually wanted to be which i think will ring true for a lot of us um is to be barbie <laughs> just every week you get to be something different you could be cabin crew you could be an astronaut you can own a pet shop you know but you're still <laughs> that sounds still, pretty good still hannah at your core and so apart from wanting to be a brain surgeon obviously you said you, you weren't necessarily clever enough to to do that which i yeah i mean we're not here to make a judgment as <laughs> to so the the level of intelligence required to be a brain surgeon right into us if you have any interest in that um but what what qualifications do you have like how did you get from Hannah who wanted to be post-lady Hannah to to kind of where you are today what what brought you here so in terms of qualifications I have a
0: degree in chemistry um which is kind of not at all related to what I do now I think probably in a nutshell the the I think the reason I've got to where I've got today is probably more because I've done things that interest me and what i've in, what I'm interested in, and I think that's a for me that's a really important part of everything in a sense There's no point in doing anything if it's not motivating you if it's not inspiring you if at the end of the day you're not happy if it's not giving you fulfillment um so I think that's probably why I ended up doing a chemistry degree. I did sciences at college um and enjoyed them as I said I didn't ever I don't I don't have a recollection of ever wanting to be a chemist or a scientist but I enjoyed chemistry so that's what I went to do it was between that or music which again quite different um I think music and maths are supposed to go together there's lots of things about numbers in music and stuff people have written lots of stuff about Mm -hmm. it
1: but yeah and as someone who has no talent in either of those areas (laughs) I would say I would say that they're definitely (laughs) (laughs) linked. Um, But yeah,
0: so I went, I went and I studied chemistry, because I enjoyed it. Um, And then perhaps where I made one full step is that from that, I I ended up working in a school as a science technician for a really short period. And someone said to me, I I think I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had my degree. I wasn't particularly interested in becoming a scientist. And someone said to me when I was working in that school, oh, you should become a teacher. Um, And I like people, I like children you know, it's always nice to think that, that, you know, you could, you could be in a position where you might be able to inspire people. So that's what I went and I did. And I trained to become a teacher. And I did a PGC. That's when I started working at Bewildered, actually kind of seasonally part time around that. And I did my teacher training and I lasted as a teacher for I think, probably about five or six months. Um, really didn't get on with it. Didn't enjoy it didn't put me in a good place. So stopped doing that. It wasn't making me happy.
1: I thought Uh, I I did think for a minute before you got to five or six months I thought you were going to say weeks or days and I'm actually pretty proud of the fact that you you know you left it six months before you went this is this is not for me Yeah,
0: yeah yeah I mean I guess maybe there was part of me that was kind of like well you've gone through the whole teaching qualification don't throw this away just yet but no it really it really didn't work out for me so I left one day and never went back and then I knew that the work that I'd done at Bewilderwood, the seasonal work. So I started out kind of working front of house. I knew that I really enjoyed that. That's what made me happy, seeing visitors having a good day, enjoying themselves. So when I left teaching, I happened just to, to drop my then line manager a message saying, look, this is what I've done. I've thrown the towel in. Have you got any shifts that I can pick up? Um, I'd really appreciate a bit of work. I've got rent to pay. And I guess things have really just snowballed from there. Uh, so, obviously, I just kind of took every opportunity that I could get and worked my way up. So, yeah, I've got a chemistry degree, but I run a visitor attraction.
1: That's all. And, and I would say you said, you know, you said about is you kind of answering our questions and you haven't had a chance to listen to other people's. It's very, very common <laughs> to have a totally unrelated degree and, and be in this. And I think your your story is probably way more universal than people think it is is that yeah quite a lot of us went until we got you know in quotes a real job and then got just you know realized that actually this is a real job and it's really great and we really love it and
0: it's it's funny you say that as well. we there's an interview question that I make sure goes on every interview whether that's for a seasonal role or you know a full-time permanent role at the Wilderwood and the question is what do you want to do when you grow up and obviously we have the range of our staff is enormous and, and, and you know, you, you get everything from, you know, we've got some really incredibly intelligent 17, 18 year olds within the team that are going to go off to university and study amazing things and, you know, go and do whatever they're doing. And they've got that down. They know exactly what they want to do. And then, you, you know, you've got other people who say, I just want to be happy. And I think ultimately, A, I don't want to grow up and B, I'm kind of similar to them. I just want to be happy. Oh, that's an that's awesome so
1: nice. Question. Yeah, <laughs> that is. That's really great. And unlike us, just a bit nosy, you know, I quite mm-hmm. like just knowing what people want to do when they grow up.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that actually leads me to the next question I we're going to ask you. And um it's kind of asking that what sort of advice would you give to your younger self um to kind of get to where you are now?
0: I think 15 years ago, me. Will, yeah, about 15 years ago. I think it would be more, don't, don't feel compelled to follow anyone else's path I think you know there's so much pressure and I think it's probably the same as well today even more so there's so much pressure on young people to to know exactly what they want to do and and carve out their own career paths and things but particularly in my experience and and looking back on what I've done I've made my decisions and and got to where I've got to in a sense in a series of happy accidents you know and it and I think knowing that it's okay not to know what you want to do next as well that's really important um uh, yeah it's okay not to know what to do and just do what makes you happy
1: yeah I think that you know you, the thing you just said there about like it sometimes it's just a happy accident is that I know loads of people who have like you said that they may be doing something that takes them to a specific place or they're doing a, a, a degree that's really specific and they kind of have this idea of what they want to do in the future I know loads of really super interesting people who are total happy accidents in their life you know the things that they do that they get involved in who introduce them to someone else and you know I think that that meandering it's not for everybody but also like if it's for you then then it's a fabulous place to kind of live and and not have to think about I think we all get caught up in Okay, well, I'm going to go to university and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to do that. And and it doesn't always work out that way. I think being able to be flexible about it sometimes is is way more useful, way more useful. I completely agree. Um, And so you said about um, the interviewing, obviously. Um, So you obviously have lots of uh, twiggles under your under your command at the moment. And what do you think it takes to be a good leader of them? Like what, what have you learned from your time? You've obviously been a, a twiggle in yep. your career and, uh, and, a, and now head twiggle, top banana. Um, and so what do you sort of, what do you think you've learned along the way that, that allows you to, to lead them?
0: I mean, that's two questions in itself because you've just said what makes a good leader and then you've asked me what I've learned. Oh, well, I mean, mean, it
1: depends whether you categorize yourself in the good leader. Oh, I don't know.
0: I think for for me, like thinking, I guess, thinking about it, the qualities that I value and the qualities that I see as good leadership, which I hope that I also embody because I suppose, as you say, in a sense, I, I, I do lead teams and I hope that I do it fairly successfully. But for me, I think there's a few things. And I think the first one is, that leadership is very personal, um, and how one person likes to be led could be very different from how another person likes to be led. And I think in within within my role, the the park manager role at Bewilderwood, obviously, I have overall responsibility for a few a huge amount of kind of different departments. That those people's roles and responsibilities differ greatly. So you have someone who's completely operational, say for example, our front of house manager. Her her key responsibilities is making sure that the park itself runs successfully on a day to day. Her role is obviously incredibly different from our finance manager's role, whose, whose role ultimately is to count all our acorns or money um, and make sure that everything's kind of in the right place and doing the right things. And, and, you know, we're paying people and people are paying us. That's obviously a very different role to kind of anyway, lots of people doing lots of different things are going to prefer different leadership styles. So I think it's really important. The best leaders, I think, are probably adaptable um, and can change their style to suit the person that they are leading I also think it's I guess it's kind of a bit it contradicts this a little bit um but I think it's also really important that you bring your most authentic and honest and true self to your leadership I think it's impossible to imagine that people can build respect for you if you're not being completely honest to yourself as a person and I think someone who isn't afraid to make mistakes and own up to their mistakes is also really important. I think for me, I've been really fortunate um, in my travels through my career that I've um, my line manager, our chief operating officer, I he, you know, he's been a mentor to me and he's, you know, given me the tools and the skills and things to, to take next steps.
2: Do you spend hours creating your rotors and then spend days constantly adjusting them? We have the solution. At Staff Savvy, we specialise in shift schedules and timesheet solutions for visitor attractions. Easily manage multiple complex teams of permanent, casual, freelance and volunteer staff across different locations and disciplines. With fast communication features, automatic compliance tools, training management and simple timesheet tools, Staff Savvy has been used and trusted by organisations such as V&A Dundee, the Southbank Centre and the Royal Albert Hall with great cost-saving benefits. Visit us at staffsavvy.com forward slash brown sign project to learn more and schedule a demo of our magic rotor button.
0: You're listening to the Brown Sign Project podcast.
1: You said about somebody being a mentor and I think, can we just talk about what Because I think if you're at this point of your career, you know, and and not to be rude about you and Carlton and I, but we are at certain ages.
2: Wow.
1: (laughs) I know, right? I'm so rude. Um, But we probably have had mentors Mm -hmm. in our life. But if you'd have said to me, coming out of university or leaving school, you know, you'll find mentors along the way. I would have felt that that was quite a formal thing. Like, you know, do I have to ask somebody to be my mentor? Do I, like how is you know how do I get one of those (laughs) can you just talk to us about you know what what you kind of mean by somebody being a mentor to you and how that's really helped because I think that's that's a really vital piece of advice
0: yeah I, I guess again it's probably another one of those happy accidents I think I've been fortunate that I found um I found myself with a line manager who I felt like I could relate to who appreciated what I could bring to the business and then I think was keen to help me progress and help me develop um, and I guess it, it 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 ties in really closely with leadership as well because I think it's about what I found myself and, and you know I don't think we would have ever formally said that Ben is your mentor he's going to mentor you to get to where you need to go next you know it, it's one of those things that kind of happens naturally and in hindsight I kind of see it now that that's probably we probably didn't realise that that's what was happening. Um, But I think that's, that's another one of those kind of leadership qualities where it's about supporting people to make their own decisions. And a good leader will not tell you what to do, they will support you and help you and collaboratively, you make those decisions together um, and lead people in the right direction to get to the right decisions along the way and we always say that thing as well I've probably said it on on various things before but my role as the park manager is is not to tell people how to do their jobs I do not know how to be a finance manager I've got quite a lot of experience at being an operations manager because that's the way I came so but you know I don't know how to be a maintenance manager so those people are the experts in their fields I need to trust them to be able to do their jobs I'm just there to make sure that they are sticking on the right track I suppose to lead them if you want to use such a formal term
1: yeah well yeah and uh, you know there's that thing isn't there about you know you you hire good people and then you let them get on with it because Mm. I think all of us are probably at some point or another who is a micromanager who does you know tell you exactly what to do and how to do it and you know here's your actions list and go and check them off and you have to check them off in this set way and it's not necessarily um the the kind of The best way of managing people Mm -hmm. might work for some people, but certainly I think all of us would agree it's not for not for the three of us who are currently engaged in this podcast. None of us are those people.
2: Mm -mm. No way.
1: And I did cut you off, Hannah. Sorry, because I got involved in the mentor. But you said you had another another leadership quality. Well,
0: I think I snuck that into talking about mentorship. Um, It was more it was more, you know, that I think a a good a good leader doesn't tell you what to do a good leader l- lets you forge your own path and how can we expect to grow and develop and 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 progress if we're not allowing new ideas or new thoughts or you know new ways of thinking I and it's something that you know it's almost you want to give you want to empower everyone to feel responsible for their role and for their part in the organization and and we say we say that kind of top down. If a twiggle's got a really good idea or a twiggle's working a structure and it's not working for them, come and tell us. Let us know what you think would, would make it better. But you know, otherwise we're just going to get stagnant and stuff. I do have one more though actually that's just popped into my head. So it's completely unrelated. and um, a good leader I think appreciates all the small things as well. So making people feel valued. I I do try and recognize all of our twiggles, all of our staff and be able to name them all. There's about 150 of them at the moment, so I'm not sure if I, if you gave me a picture of all their faces, I might not be able to. But um, I think it's becoming more and more important for people that they feel valued in the role that they're doing. People don't work just for money anymore. People, not uh, people, probably didn't ever work just for money, but people work to feel fulfilled. And I think it's a little, finding out about your team, understanding what makes them tick, and then using that as a as a motivator and as a way of supporting them i think
2: absolutely love it so thank you for throwing in that last part very valid and very very important so we brilliant absolutely brilliant and um, i'm going to jump in with an, another question for you um and you've been in the industry for a while you've you've got a lot of experience in operations um but what i would love, love to find from you find out from you is what are your top tips of working within the tourist attractions industry. So if there's someone listening that's not too sure, what are your top tips, your three top tips?
0: Okay, number one, Um, can you tell I've made notes? Uh, Get out there and see it from the ground up. Um, Experience it as a visitor and experience it within. So we always kind of, for, for any kind of permanent roles, obviously everyone goes through an induction process, but one of the things we make them do is to go and work as a Twiggle. How can you expect them to understand your attraction and how your attraction runs if they can't, you know, if you if you've not experienced and and done those things as well. So, um, yeah, I think no matter which which part of the company or which role you come into, it's really important to understand what your attraction delivers and how it delivers it. So that's number one. Number two, always remember that the reward outweighs the hard work that you put in. Always remember even in the middle of the summer holidays, which we are recording this right now in the middle of the summer holidays, when it's really busy and you can't see the wood for the trees, as they say, or you're knackered and you've been working 10, 12 hour days, nine days on the trot um, because it is hard work in the attractions industry. Um, but I think it's really important to remember that the, it, the reward is worth it. You know, you see people if you're that kind of person that you see people enjoying their days out and having a great day that you can't help, but feel good about that.
1: Yeah. I, I wanted just to jump in. Sorry, because I think all of us would bemoan the long hours would bemoan the, you know, and, and, and we do when, you know, when we all get together, I'm sure all of us, you know, over a few beers, we'll go, God, we've had such a long summer or whatever. But on the flip side of that, you do get the joy of seeing people having a great time. I do Uh, think that is.
0: We're doing a lot of talk at the moment. I meet with my teams, kind of try and meet with them weekly and and particularly our operational teams. We're doing a lot of talk at the moment about saying, just remember the rose tinted glasses. We'll be sitting here in, in January thinking about next summer and we'll be looking back at last summer thinking, was so lovely everyone was really enjoying themselves we run an amazing attraction look at all those thousands of people that came through the doors and or the gates we say and had an amazing day out we forget all the really hard stuff and and the running around at you know seven o'clock at night because you've forgotten to do something or because people won't leave the car park because they've decided to set up you forget all of that so so it's really important to remember that you that you know I think yeah that the reward for it outweighs the hard work that was number two I think wasn't it and number yeah. three, um, I've put down number three, don't underestimate the power of people. Attractions and the tourism industry and some of the brands that we all work for, they're incredible. The ideas that people have come up with to create these things are amazing, but without people, they're nothing. Um, and I think we all know that visitor experience and those memories that our visitors are making can be made or broken by people people and I think that's like for me that that just goes through everything um whether it's whether you're that person on the ground directly interacting with the visitors all the way to the CEO I guess you know the way that we interact with people is hugely influential and important so don't underestimate the power of people that's tip
1: three I I love that I think that you know there is no attraction without people. And I think we've we've sort of seen that a little bit. You know, there's been some quite experimental attractions in recent years where people have really tried to skimp on the amount of staffing that they have, you know, and, and so think and I'm thinking along the lines of stuff like you know, all the trampoline parks that came up, all the um, escape rooms that suddenly popped up. And they were really about sort of taking a space and putting something in it, you know, and, but it it very rarely came with, and here's the team that are going to deliver it. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's some that do that really well, and there's some that don't do it particularly well. And I think that's the difference between those that kind of stayed and those that didn't. But I think for somebody to think, oh, a tourist attraction is just the stuff that's within the walls, or it's the museum collection, or it's the, animatronics or it's the slides or is that that's such a you know those things could exist without people but it certainly would not be the same experience
2: yeah absolutely so we're going to go a little bit deeper with a question now you ready let's, <laughs> do, go. You. let's do it let's it's do good it. job
0: that this podcast has no video <laughs> recording doesn't it
2: yeah it's very true very true um so I want to find out what your why is why do you do what you
1: do?
0: Um, I think it's two-sided. The first side, probably, because I get told off if I didn't mention it. I've got a family at home, and it's important for me that I can support them. I've got a daughter who's four who I would like to be inspired by me, in a sense. You know, I I, I quite like to think that she, she can see that it's possible to be a great mum, but also... Have a career and a successful career, so that that's obviously an important part of my why. I've got other family who I would hope to be proud of me, um, but then I think for me personally, my why, um, and we've kind of touched on it. I think I get enormous motivation, um, and I guess it. Thinking about it, a lot of what I talk about, and, and when I think about me and what I do, and and what might what I might want to do next, I think it. Ultimately, it comes. It always comes back to people. Um, and I get enormous enjoyment out of seeing people enjoying themselves and I think with Bewilderwood and and with opening a new Bewilderwood seeing people experiencing that for the first time and knowing that I've facilitated a part of that makes me feel quite proud but I also think and I think I've been Lucky with Bewilderwood is that I've fallen into a company and an organization whose values align with mine. You know, I think it's for me, it's it's really important that the company that I work for, they really care about their people, both obviously, as I keep going on about it, but both their staff and their visitors. Um, and I think my focus has always been people first. If you think about your teams, your teams will be enjoying themselves your visitors will be enjoying themselves. All that commercial success, all this stuff behind it that we're all supposed to think about. That that follows we obviously do all think about. Um (laughs) that follows naturally. I think, you know, that and, and we've been fortunate to find that you get the people right, you get you make sure that the visitors are enjoying themselves naturally if you're having fun you know you you want to extend that you want to you want to make that better you want to buy an ice cream you want to buy a book you know so so all of that is kind of followed but yeah so so for me I think it as I said it's about it's about working for a company that really cares about its people both its staff and its visitors I think it something you know that stories to share and I think without sounding really cliche um, and thinking of, an, of a good way to say it I, I think for me it's about Providing a canvas for families to kind of create their own memories. The best stories we get out of Bewilderwood are probably going to get told off this. No, I won't hopefully won't get told. This. They're not necessarily the stories of Bewilderwood. They're the stories of the people who have visited Bewilderwood and they're the stories of the memories they've made. And oh, it was the first time little Johnny went down a slide and he sat at the top for 10 minutes, but your staff were amazing. Um and they coaxed him down. And after he went down it once, we couldn't get him off there for the rest of the day. You know, it's a people talk about core memories and things at the moment don't they it's a, it's about this is uh, this has gone on from what's my why I don't know what this is turning into now this but you know it's about people being able to come with their families share their stories share our stories and make their own memories to kind of take away with them
2: so yes yeah. it's, it's sound, it sounded like people are your core no matter <laughs> what you do you love kind of making sure that everyone's having a good time everyone's enjoying the moment but also creating their magical memories that they can take away with them no matter if you're a seasonal staff member or if you're a permanent staff member you that that's kind of what drives you that's what I got out from that conversation
0: I'm going to take that then because I've been thinking about it for for ages trying to work out what it is and that's that will be it then
2: awesome good
0: <laughs> and I do what makes me happy and it still continues to make me happy so for as long as it makes me happy I will continue to do it
2: I love that approach do what makes you happy. Do what makes you smile.
1: Yeah, I think we all spend too long at work every day to be u- upset about it and unhappy about it. I think you're right. It's that it, you've got you've to have a reason to get up in the morning. And for some people, that might be financial. For some people, that might be, you know, that, that they have friends at work. For some people, it might be that they just love seeing their visitors or whatever it might be. But yeah, I think you you, you need to figure out what what's getting you out of bed in the morning and, and into that job every day.
0: And I think that's a very personal reason, isn't it? And it's, it's totally okay for it to be completely different, as you say.
1: Yeah. For everybody,
0: you know. I,
1: yeah. I had a really interesting, one of the first jobs where I was a, a senior manager in an instruction and I had a really good conversation with one of my team who we'd recently promoted to be a team leader. And, you know, we were having a discussion about motivating his, his team and, and he, and and I was saying, oh, you know, he could do all this stuff for them. You know, it would be really great if they, if he could do nice things for them. And he was saying, Well, I just want to give them like a 10, you know, if they do something, I'm gonna give them a 10-pound voucher. And we sort of went back and forth and went back and forth about it. And it and we we kind of came to the conclusion that he's very financially motivated. I'm not, and that that we were what we were really having a discussion about was what would motivate us and we were like okay we need to stop having this discussion and actually go and have it with your team because we're never going to come to an agreement and I think I you know I I think it's very easy to get into a mindset of the way that I am motivated is the way that other people are motivated and that's really not true I think when you really dig into it it's there's you know everybody's slightly differently motivated (laughs) you just need to find out what they want and then how you get it to them and I think you've made some great points, but th- this is this is my last question, and then and then we will wrap up. Um, but why do you think people should come and work in tourism? Like, what is what are you clanging the bell for to say, come and join us? Well, and then you can never leave. Obviously, once you're here, you you can't let like, get out.
0: We've got really big slides um, <laughs> and zip wires just outside the <laughs> office door, so that's pretty cool. Um, now, I think tourism itself, the opportunities are endless um there are so many ways a career can develop within tourism um so you know we've obviously touched on people are people again people are completely different no matter kind of probably I haven't thought enormously about it but probably no matter what kind of person you are there will be a role within tourism that suits your personality your style your motivation um so yeah so enormous possibility I think as cliche as it sounds, no two days are the same. That's 100% true. Um, I, you know, I do different things every day. Yes, lots of it follows the same structure and there's certain things I have to do, but a curveball can be thrown at at any point. And I genuinely, honestly think that no two days are the same. Um, And who wouldn't want to work in an industry where ultimately our, 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 our responsibility is to make people happy?
1: Yeah, there's not many people that can go to, to bed on a night thinking, I made a few thousand people happy today. Yeah. A few thousand people had a great time. And and it, you know, it was my it was my job to make that happen, definitely. And um, so obviously, apart from being top banana, Hannah, uh, where where can people find you? What are you what are you up to? Where are you on the internet in case people want to get in touch and say hi or see anything that you're up to? Um,
0: so you can find me on LinkedIn. I am Hannah Monteverdi, and hopefully you'll put a helpful link in the waffle because i have to spell it out for <laughs> most people um and bewilderwood itself obviously um is all around about the houses but bewilderwood.co.uk is where you'll find our website
1: amazing well thank you very very much it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you as always and thank um yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see you again on a future episode and you can tell us how bewilderwood is uh, growing and shaping so great well, thank you both thank uh, you so thank much
2: you thanks very much for listening to the brown sign project in our next episode we speak to richard neville a visitor services manager who's working on aber voyage production in london thanks again to our season sponsors staff savvy and stephen spencer and associates the brown sign project was edited by Paul tyler and also don't forget to follow us on twitter at brown sign pod